0: Well, hey there, everyone. My name is Daniel, and I'm the online campus pastor here at OAG. I am excited for today's podcast because this is from our series entitled Before You Knew Me. This will be stories and testimonies shared from folks just like you and our own church family. So sit back and relax and be inspired by what God has done and is still doing in the lives of His children.
1: Well, good evening. When... Pastor Strickland uh, told me about this new program on Wednesday evening. Uh, Before you leave me, he called it. He asked me if I would share my testimony. And I said, well, I'll be happy to uh, share my testimony. But, um, Pastor, I'm not leaving. I just got back. And he, being the wise man that he is, didn't say a word. He just stood there and kind of looked at me. And um, I think I saw him roll his eyes a little bit, you know, like, as if to say, what rock has this woman been under? And then I got it. I said, you're talking about that leaving. (laughs) That leaving, yeah, yeah, I'm leaving, uh, I'm leaving, and um, I'm ready to go, Amen. but just not on the bus that might be going tomorrow, but I'm ready to go. I, it's a joy to be here and share with you tonight, and just like the pastor said, Harold and I had a lot of miles in our lifetime, and I want to share with you not about what we have done, but what God did through a very simple, willing vessel, that's all. And I want to give God all the glory for everything that was ever accomplished. And I hope you enjoy hearing about what the Lord did. I grew up in a small town in Oklahoma, (laughs) Oklahoma, there aren't very many Okies around this part of the country. Um, Most of those people that want to retire, they don't come to Florida, they go to South Texas. But I grew up in a small town and um, I was the youngest of five children. My father worked at the Oklahoma State Prison for 35 years in that town, and he never missed a day, and he was never late. He had a very strong work ethic that he passed on to his children, and we were expected to work. And more so, we were expected to never be late. I'm thankful that um, I had the opportunity to grow up in a Christian home. We went to church every time the church doors opened. And um, there were no excuses accepted. We just automatically got up on Sunday morning and got ready and went to church. And uh, we all wore our little Back then, they had um, perfect uh, attendance ribbons. And Pastor knows about them. And we, uh, we would w- put those on, wear them, and be happy that we got the uh, ribbon for being perfect attendance that year. And we were saved, uh, all of us, the five of us, and went uh, to the river uh, uh, to be baptized. It was a great family that we had, and um, we didn't have much money, but we had plenty to eat. My father, um, every year, raised a huge garden, and so we had um, always had the vegetables, but he also had plenty of chickens. Now, we've got on this chicken uh, topic, and I was amazed that Terry mentioned that because um, I was um, scared to death of chickens. My oldest brother was a big tease, and he would catch me in the backyard and grab a chicken and chase me until I started crying, and my mother would make him stop but I was scared of chickens for the, for the rest of my life, I guess. And I contributed mainly because my brother uh, teased me so much. And I want you to, to keep that thought in your mind, because I'm going to come back to talk about chickens in just a minute. I was a senior in high school. and. Uh, and working, as all of my brothers and sisters did, um, in a um, small drugstore, it was called back then, as a soda jerk. And this one day, a movie star, handsome man walked in. He was wearing an Air Force uniform. And he looked at me and I looked at him and my heart did about 50 flips. And I knew that I was going to marry that man. I was in love already. It was love at first sight for both of us. And we started dating. Uh, we had been dating about six months when he came one day and told me that he had just received orders for Keflavik, Iceland. Well, we knew that we could not live and be separated. We just couldn't do it. And so we thought about what are we going to do. My mother at that time was visiting her sister in California and I was just at that age that I was pretty sure I knew more than my mother and father put together at that time and so Harold and I decided to elope, and we went to a little town not very far from where I lived, and that's exactly what we did, and we eloped. When my mother came back from California, um, we told her, and she was not very happy about that, to say the least. But They loved Harold. My father and mother loved Harold Abner. And um, so they accepted it. Harold left for Iceland, and I had applied for my passport. And as soon as it arrived, I flew for the first time to Keflavik, Iceland. I started to work there uh, for civil service, in the data processing department, and um, that, was, that was a great move for me. Um, we enjoyed our time in Iceland. It was six months daylight, six months dark, but it didn't bother us at all. Um, we would put a dark blanket uh, up against, over the windows to keep out the midnight sun And um, we had an orange crate for a refrigerator that we set outside on a little porch that we had at the house that we were renting. The only problem with the orange crate, you couldn't regulate the temperature, and so it was mostly a deep freeze instead of a refrigerator. But we enjoyed our time there in that beautiful country and uh, we had the opportunity to see the majority of Europe before we, had, uh, before we got transferred. We lived there for two years and then the government, uh, the Air Force, sent us to Eglin Air Force Base, Florida, which is in the northwest corner the Northwest Panhandle of Florida, the largest Air Force base at that time in the world, and um, we stayed there about eight years. We wanted to start a family about that time, so we bought this little house. Uh, It was not too little, three bedrooms, uh, house, and on the GI Bill, and the payments were $79 a month. Um, We had to struggle to make those payments, and even though I was working at the base, but I would buy Vienna sausages for 10 cents a can and make biscuit dough and wrap the Vienna sausages in the biscuit dough and they were called pigs in the blanket. Now I'm sure many of you have had that opportunity to eat some of those. But gasoline was 19 cents a gallon and eggs were 25 cents a dozen at that time. Um, Our lives began to take on a dramatic, dramatic change at this time. We had not put the Lord first in our lives at the beginning of our marriage or while we were living in Iceland. We had grown further and further away from the Lord. But my praying mother um, asked the Lord to get our attention. And the Lord got our attention. A lady across the street came over to welcome us to the neighborhood and invited us to her church at, at uh, for a revival was going on. Now, Harold had started drinking and uh, uh, playing poker with some guys from the base. So I was very surprised when he said, yes, we will go to your church and during the revival service. Uh, This drinking problem he had was getting pretty serious and had started to come between us. Um, I was not perfect by any means. I had a couple faults, maybe three, but... (laughs) But mainly it was Harold's problem that was causing us some a little bit of separation there. So I was very thankful when he said we would go to church. So we did. And that night, uh, the evangelist preached on the prodigal son. And during the invitation, as soon as the Evangelist gave the invitation. Harold looked at me and I looked at him. And we both knew that um, the Lord was speaking to us. And so he grabbed my hand and we came to the altar. And we rededicated our life to the Lord that night and made it known that we had decided to follow Jesus. It was a great turning point for both of us. Uh, We went home and Harold poured every drop of his liquor down the drain and he never drank another drop in in his entire life. It was a miracle from the Lord. and He gave up gambling And we began uh, Bible study. We began working in the church. It was a very mission-minded church. And they would have missionaries come and speak. And we were very, um, very open uh, to whatever the Lord had for us. Uh, One day, um, Harold said, I think we need to start tithing. And I didn't say it, but I thought about the $79 house payment. And I thought, we're going to have to eat more pigs in the blanket. And I, so to buy a little bit of time, I said, well, let's pray about it. And I thought maybe he would just forget about it. But he surprised me when he said, what is there to pray about? It says in the word that we are to tithe. I don't see where we need to pray about it. We don't pray about whether we go to church or not. And that's the way Harold was. He was very dedicated in that regards, and whatever the Lord said in the word, that's what he stood on. So we started tithing. Now I want to tell you that we did not eat more pigs in the blanket. We ate less. Don't ask me to explain it because I cannot explain it, but I can tell you for sure that you cannot outgive the Lord. No way. No way. And he says to try him. Just try it and see. Well, we continued to grow in the Lord and uh, work in the church. We had two little boys uh, a few years later. And then all of a sudden, Harold got orders for Vietnam and for one year. And I continued to work at the base and stayed there at Fort Walton Beach. And uh, my mother came down from Oklahoma uh, because my father had passed away by this time. And uh, she stayed with us for most of the year that Harold was was gone. The church gave Harold 5,000 little red Bibles to give out in Vietnam. And it was not very long until he wrote that he needed 5,000 more. The men there were very hungry for the word. They wanted to carry that with them when they went to the field and to battle. So he provided those little red Bibles. All over Da Nang is the base that he was stationed at. And it was a great ministry for Harold. One day, this buddy of his came to him and said, Abner, uh, I know today is the day that you are to drive the ambulance and go pick up the wounded. But if you don't mind, I would like to go in your place. and, uh, And then tomorrow, you can take my place. It didn't matter to Harold, and he said, sure, if that's what you want, that's okay with me. So that's what happened. The guy took Harold's place, but he never came back. The The ambulance was blown up by enemy fire, and there were no survivors. This really, made Harold sit up and pay attention to what was happening in his life and to seek the Lord, what are you saying to me? We had talked about living in Alaska because Harold liked to fish and hunt and when you are assigned to a remote place like Vietnam, nine times out of 10, you can get your assignment of choice. So we had decided to put in, when it came time for him to what they call forecast, uh, to put in for Alaska. And so the day came for him to go to personnel. and. He filled it to fill out the paperwork. But he didn't write the word "Alaska." He wrote the word "Japan." He could not explain that. He was surprised himself when he put that on the paper. And when he wrote me and told me, I was shocked. We know now that all of that was the plan that the Lord had for us. He said, you were planning to go west, but I want you to go east. And so we went east. We were stationed at Yokota Air Force Base, Japan for three and a half years. It was there that we got very active in the English-speaking church. And at that time, we went forward in that church and gave our lives to foreign missions. And we had no idea where we would go we just knew the Lord was speaking to us about going, and so we surrendered to go. Our neighbor would go to these weekly prayer meetings, and she, uh, she requested special prayer for us. She wasn't the only one that thought we were crazy, but uh, my my family and Harold's family both thought we would gone off the deep end. Um, but she requested prayer for us, and just so happened at that prayer meeting was a gentleman who was a founder and president of New Life Mission, and that was the mission that we joined and uh, served under all those years in Papua New Guinea, but he came he knocked on our door that night, introduced himself, he had a um, the a, a largest printing ministry in Asia, and he, so he was working in Tokyo, but that night he had just happened to come over to the uh, prayer meeting. And so he shared with us that night the needs of the mission that uh, uh, that he thought was the most urgent and Harold and I sat there waiting for him to say maybe Hawaii or Tahiti or some big uh, island that would be nice to go serve the Lord. But no, he said, we have an urgent need in Papua New Guinea. We had never heard of Papua New Guinea. We did not know where it was located. We knew absolutely nothing about it. But this man just said, will you pray about it? And we told him that we would. And he told us that it was located at the northernmost tip of Australia. And at that time, it was the most primitive country in the world. It was known for um, cannibalism, for sorcery, for witchcraft, and headhunters. It was a, a, very, um, a very primitive place. But we told the man that we would pray about it, and so we did. It became very clear to us, both of us, simultaneously the Lord spoke and made it very clear that we were to get out of the military and serve in Papua New Guinea. So that's what we did. We started paperwork to get discharged and we decided that we would, because of finances, we would need to go straight to uh, the field, the mission field, and not go home first because that, it was halfway around the world and so we went straight to Papua New Guinea uh, from Japan. The, we uh, landed there in Papua New Guinea uh, on a very narrow dirt, uh, grass, actually, uh, airstrip. And um, it was 5,000 feet above sea level. It was uh, springtime, year-round, very beautiful place. It had two seasons, wet and dry. Um, the village chief came The day after we arrived and he wanted to welcome us. They were very happy that we had decided to come and serve there. The missionary that had been there prior to us had started a work and had done a great job and we were thankful for that. But the chief came that day and he brought several of his tribesmen with him and they all were dressed in very colorful native dress. They had um, uh, they wore lawn cloth that was made out of um, a tree bark. And they had um, bones and shells in their nose and in their ear. And they had beautiful, colorful headdress made out of uh, bird feathers. In one hand, they carried their bow and arrows. They would not go anywhere without their bow and arrows because they were fighting people. They could, a fight could erupt at any time, at any place, and they would start shooting with these bow and arrows. So they always carried their bow and arrows. This day was no exception. They had their bow and arrows. And the chief came that day to give me a welcome gift. And there were a lot of people there, had gathered, and he walked to me with a big smile on his face and handed me a live, Chicken. And I was very surprised. I didn't know what I was going to do. I knew that I should accept the gift because not to accept it would have been rude. And I wanted to make a good impression uh, on them. And I couldn't very well say to him, hold your chicken while I go in the house and pray and ask the Lord to give me some grace what to do. So I accepted the chicken. Harold was standing right next to me. And um, I know he was praying for me because he knew I was scared of chickens. But the Lord gave me a fresh anointing of grace that day and I had no trouble accepting the chicken however uh, Harold liked live chickens and so I gave it to him at least he liked them that day but we saw the Lord move mightily in lives in that region the work uh, continued to grow. We our goal was to indigenize the work so that it could become uh, it would continue on without the missionaries there. And we ended up staying about close to ten years. Um, we had we lived in a small house that had uh, no running water and no electricity. It was made out of bamboo. Uh, The the roof was grass, but Harold later put a um, corrugated iron roof on top uh, so the rain would run off of it in a 55-gallon barrel, and that way we would have water without having to go to the river. we were able to buy a, a small generator and had electricity for two or three hours a day. And that was a big help. And then we had, um, uh, we bought a kerosene refrigerator. So uh, life became very interesting there, and mostly because of the people, They. um They had no clocks or watches, and they simply were guided what time to come to church uh, by the sun. Uh, We would say we'll start church at 10 o'clock, but it may be 12 o'clock before everyone would get there. They walked a long distance to get there, and the men would always sit on one side and the women on the other side. Uh, The women carried everything they owned in a very simple um, string bag that they had made. And they put their babies in the bag. They carried their pigs in the bag and their chickens in the bag. When they were in church, they had that bag hanging off their head uh, down their back. And if the chicken made a cackling noise, she would just reach out reach in there and take the chicken out and open its mouth and spit in its mouth and that would the chicken would be quiet for the rest of the service and so the people had very uh, simple lifestyle. Uh, the main food was what we call cow-cow, that was the name of it in the language that they spoke. It was like a white sweet potato, something like our yams, but um, not not as tasty uh, to me as um, the sweet potatoes. But we saw the main thing was lives changed, in that country. We saw the Lord heal the sick. The only person that really did not want us there was the witch doctor because uh, the Lord would heal the sick and the witch doctor would not have any more business. Uh, He made it very difficult for us at times. Uh, He brought to our house once a, um, a mess of green beans on a banana leaf and made it appear that he was giving us something uh, to, that we could eat. But inside those beans and underneath there he had put uh, broken uh, like a razor blade And so we had to be very careful, because the man um, had a strong hold on the people. Uh, But we saw the Lord work miracles and cast out demons. And the national pastors would take a stand for the Lord. And uh, the witch doctor would just hang his head and leave uh, from the vicinity. So we stayed there for two terms, and then um, Harold had uh, contracted um, malaria two different times and was getting um, uh, pretty weak, and so we decided to come home and do home mission work. Before we did that, we went to um, Sri Lanka and served there for two years. The mission uh, printed um, Bibles for China and gospel tracts for most of Asia. So we served in that capacity uh, for a couple years until the war broke out between the Tamils and the Singalese. and when that happened we were on house arrest and so we could not leave and the American Embassy said that we should uh, leave and go home and so that's what we did. We came home and we went to work um, in home missions in St. Petersburg Florida at a place called D&D Missionary Homes. It was a place that uh, missionaries from all over the world came, and they could stay from one night to one year uh, and pay no rent. They only paid their utilities. Harold was the operations manager, and I was the um, office manager. And we stayed there. Uh, for 10 years. We um, we lived on the grounds. There were um, um, 56 homes altogether, and um, it was a great responsibility to maintain everything, but the missionary was very grateful to have a place to come and live with their children while they were home on furlough. Um, However, the because we lived on the grounds, it became um, a very uh, busy place for us because it was like being on call twenty-four-seven. Um, the missionaries would come to our house any time that they had a need or they thought they had a need, and uh, and we would do our best to help them. This one morning at 3 o'clock in the morning, a missionary came and knocked on our door. And he said he had an a, a oil stick in his hand, and he said, I'm getting ready to go on deputation, and I wanted to change the oil in my car, but I can't figure out how to put this stick back in. And so Harold um, was able to help him and get him on his way. But that was just an example of, what, of how we lived for 10 years there. Because he uh, had the malaria and was prone to, for his body to become weak, Uh, In a hot climate, he became burned out and he needed uh, to rest. So we went to Oklahoma and um, we lived there uh, on a lake where he could rest and fish. and, um, um, And I went back to school and finished my Master's Degree, and received a full scholarship, and earned my doctorate in education. And then I continued to work at the university until I retired, and we moved back to Florida. The other thing I enjoyed doing very much while I was there um, the town that we lived in was a county seat, and I got involved in the court system as a volunteer-certified mediator. It was a, a challenge, but it was a joy for me to have a small part in helping people uh, resolve any kind of disputes they may have had. And the judge would send them to mediation uh, because the courts were so crowded. And he would order them to go to mediation and, and to get the things worked out for them. So I had an opportunity um, to have a part in that. And I was very grateful to the Lord that he opened those doors for me um, we have seen over the years the Lord uh, prepare us, He provided for us, He protected us every step of the way. We worked in several countries. We often said that we had no regrets, that we would do it all again, and the Lord gave us... 61 years, a wonderful marriage. And we had two children, um, and they and their families are walking with the Lord, and I consider that a real blessing. Our oldest son ended up marrying um, an MK that he grew up with in Papua New Guinea, and they live in uh, near Orlando, in DeBerry, Florida. So I get to see them very often. The granddaughter just gave birth to her second little boy. So I have two great, the cutest ever, grandchildren. I will be leaving, I realize that now, Pastor, as you will be leaving one day. But, you know, we cannot choose our beginning. We cannot choose our, where, we're, where, where we're born. We cannot choose our earthly father. But isn't it wonderful that we get to choose our ending? By a simple choice that we can decide ourselves, and the Lord made all of that possible that we could do that, that we can choose to live forever, eternity with Him and as our Lord and Savior. To me, that is the greatest fact, the greatest miracle that all of us have that option to make such a simple choice. And I urge you tonight, if you are here or if you're online listening to this, that if you have not made that choice, you will be leaving one day, just as the pastor said. And I urge you tonight to make that choice to live for eternity with the Lord. This journey we're on now is just like that compared to eternity. That song comes to my mind 10,000 years. It's only just begun. Think about it. God loves you and he's waiting for you.
0: On behalf of our pastor and staff here at OAG, we want to say thank you. Thank you for being a part of our ministry. We are grateful for you and the support you give our church and its ministries so that we can continue to do what God has called us to do, to be the family church for the family of God. For more content from Pastor Strickland and Oxford Assembly of God, check out our media website at oag.church/media.